how have the women of Star Wars impacted society and culture? That's what we're digging deeper into today. What's up, Story Geeks? I'm Sandra Dimas, pink-haired fan of monsters and cartoons and book editor. And we are in the middle of our Star Wars series here on the Story Geeks podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast provider so you don't miss any more of our upcoming shows. So with me today to dig deeper into the women of Star Wars are Alexandria Leonis and Shannon McCarter from the Lipstick and Lightsabers podcast, as well as my co-host, Nick Duke. Let's dig deeper into Star Wars. Yay, we're joined today with Shannon and Alex. Why don't you tell us where you're from and what you do? Yeah, so we do a Star Wars podcast called Lipstick and Lightsabers, which is all about celebrating um, women in the Star Wars fandom. So every Friday we collect stories uh, from women and we share them out on the show. Um, And it's really it's been a really fun project that we've been doing this year Uh, and then we also every other week we deep dive on discussions and topics um currently alex and i are very stressed about trials coming out (laughs) Um, but you know it's exciting (laughs) well we're glad to have you here to talk about the women of star wars so let's start off with of course princess leia organa or general um she's the original female badass in star wars so let's talk about What influence do you think Leia has had on female characters in science fiction and in fantasy? And what is it about her that has made her such a cultural phenomenon? So what I think that she's made a difference with is just having more women in general. There weren't as many before her. And and now we get to see all these different types of women because of her. Because she was different at the time because we used to get a lot of stereotypical... um, female characters in movies back then and she was just different and she was a surprise and it's just she welcomed the way like paved the way for everyone else basically Mm. yeah i definitely think the the attitude and like her personality traits were just something that you know you hadn't really seen before and i think that's another reason why star wars like it's one of the many reasons why so many people are are drawn to the property in general but then also to Princess Leia because she wasn't just like this damsel in distress like waiting to be rescued like she was like very capable she had a mind of her own she was gonna talk she knew what she was doing and that's just something that like when you look at some 80s movies like it's interesting that we have this character in a space opera like you just wouldn't have thought that we would have gotten that Mm -hmm. yeah what do you think Nick Uh, yeah I mean I think she's had it huge impact like there's not a lot of i can't think of any like princess characters before right princess leia that are like as active in the story as she is Mm -hmm. like as as opposed to being like reactive like Mm -hmm. uh, a character that's um there as like i guess like a sounding board for other characters Mm -hmm. um but what i think is interesting about Princess Leia is in the beginning of Star Wars she is a princess that is in need of rescuing mm. and that's how kind of how they get get you in yeah but as soon as they rescue her she has to immediately turn around and rescue her rescuers yeah <laughs> like they're they're in trouble and mm-hmm. she has to figure out how to get them out yeah and that to me is like I can't think of really any sci-fi or fantasy stories that did something like that. It was very unique. And I, I feel like a lot of um, uh, Leia's personality, a lot of that is 
attributed to Carrie Fisher. Like mm. she brought a lot of herself yeah. to that character. Yeah. And I think people were really drawn to that. Yeah. And that's why yeah. she was I, such, I such a beloved character. Oh, I'm sorry. I, w- I would yeah. definitely say um, to that point, like when I was fairly new to Star Wars, like I kind of came in with Force Awakens. So when I was like dipping my toe in, all I really knew about Leia was kind of like the the general things. So I wasn't really sure what I was going to think of this character. Like I knew a lot about like the gold bikini, all that stuff. But I actually started reading a lot more about Carrie Fisher and I read her book, um, The Princess Diarist. And it just like gave me this whole new perspective. And then like when you watch the films again, like knowing Carrie's thought process and like where she was at, like during her life, like it adds this whole other Leia, um, this whole other layer to Leia's character, which is just really, really fascinating. Yeah, you know, I think you make a really good uh, point. Actually, all of you, um, what that she wasn't a damsel in distress, and that she was very different for the time. I like what you said, Nick, about mm-hmm. the fact that she was a princess, and was very different than the princesses we knew um, of that time. We didn't see another princess like that until the Princess Bride, mm-hmm. and that that Carrie Fisher was actually considered for that role, and to think that. Um, Princess Buttercup, you know, as Carrie Fisher as Princess Buttercup, I think that would have been a good fit as well Mm -hmm. because (laughs) you have that same sort of fire. And, and, you know, what I loved about and still love about Princess Leia is that sometimes for female characters, you have the damsel in distress as like option A and kind of the standard protocol, or you have this hardened, bitter, Mm -hmm. I hate love and I hate men and... I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. And that that's another side and another character. And Leia is both of them. She, you know, well, I mean, she's not completely hardened, but she's yeah. strong. She's self-sufficient. She's able to um, stand up to Darth Vader. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like at the very beginning, you know, and she's calling him out. And that, I think, is um, showing her strength, um, her character's strength. And then... She's, you know, kind of fighting back and forth with Han. And yet, you know, they do fall in love. And it wasn't like that part of her. It was either or like she had to be strong or she had to be sweet and and capable of falling in love. We got to see a more well-rounded woman on screen, which we don't get too much of. or certainly didn't back then. The great thing. I was going to. The great thing (laughs) about her is she gets to still be feminine while doing all these things right oh yeah i mean she's able to um stand up she's able to fix things and she's able to you know call out when things are stupid decisions she's able to save herself and to be completely strategic in that and yeah and then fall in love so well, and, like, I mean, to that point as well, like, with the femininity, like, that comes out, like, in her costuming. Like, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. is this, like, you know, virgin princess, you could say, like, in this white outfit and the way her hair is done. And, like, she talks about all of the lip gloss she has on. But, yeah. like, she gets to shoot the guns, too. <laughs> so, like, you know, it is the best of both worlds kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. When, when you look at the the whole, um, I mean, before the new movies, like, her arc from um, A New Hope to Return of the Jedi, like she endures a lot. She's inspiring in that too. Mm-hmm. Like not only was she 
like standing up to Vader, she withstood his torture. Oh like, yeah. She was literally to- like tortured by this figure who ends up being her father. Right. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> and she doesn't give any information away. Right. Like she's able to withstand uh, like even physical torture. Right. Like she's just so strong that way. And and that's something that I love about Leia is she she went through so much, not just mm-hmm. that torture, but her entire planet blew up. Yeah. Like imagine everyone you know is gone. Mm-hmm. And then later she loses Han and then her brother and then and in a sense her, her, her son. son yeah. So she's experienced so much loss, but she's still a leader and she's a leader who doesn't want others to experience loss. And when Poe decides he's going to, you know, keep shooting, the victory is certainly bittersweet because she's like, look at all these lives that we've lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She knows when to shoot and when not to. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've been going on about Leia. And so this next question, I think she'll make it on everyone's list. But let's go into our top three female characters in Star Wars and specifically what about them makes them so compelling and for bonus points I'd love to hear which of their traits or behaviors you would love to emulate so let's start with uh, Shannon Uh, so my number one is Rey I really love Rey's character and I have really been loving this journey that we've seen her go on. Like she's somebody who has been alone for so long and suddenly is like thrust into this adventure and she's still looking for her family and looking for her belonging. And she's slowly realizing that it's it's not exactly what or where she thought it was going to be. And I also really love that she's just really emotional and she's really passionate in ways that I don't think people were expecting like all of the trust promotion mm-hmm. she's been very angry and like <laughs> women normally are not allowed to be angry because then you're a bitch <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited to see her get to explore this and to you know find herself and like find her center um you know and all of that um And then I also really love Rose, uh, also from the new movies, Mm. because Rose is just, I mean, her line, like, it's not about fighting what you hate, it's about saving what you love. I I think Rose is the the person I want to be. Like, she just is always doing the right thing and, like, standing up for what is right, but kind of, like, in a quiet way. Like, she Mm. was just kind of this mechanic that was in the background, and she knew what was right and knew what she wanted to fight for this was something that her sister died for somebody that she really really loved and that's what she's doing like she's standing up and fighting in little ways and now she's a commander for the resistance and i think that's something that you can you know really look up to and i find it really inspiring um Mm -hmm. and then i also really love sienna from lost stars because she is one who (laughs) yes she's one who makes a lot of mistakes um, because of how fiercely loyal she is, but her loyalty is so much a part of who she is, and she sees the best in everyone 
to a fault. Like, she even sees mm-hmm. the best in the Empire. And it does come back to bite her. And the way that that book leaves off, I really hope we get to see more of her story. Because it's just so beautifully complicated. And I'm, I'm so glad that Star Wars explored that and explored, mm-hmm. like, how complicated things are out in this galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. Uh, what about you, Alex? So my favorite is also Ray, and I just want to say that the heroine's journey that she goes on, like finding herself, is something that a lot of young adults, like Shannon and I, like we we really connect with that, and mm. we're trying to find our our place in the world and where we belong and what we should be doing with our lives, and I think that's what really makes us love her so much is because we can see that representation almost so and then my other two are both animated characters um one of them is harrison doula and she's the best mom in space (laughs) (laughs) and she takes in anyone who needs a home and she loves them unconditionally even when they make mistakes and she lets her adopted kids make mistakes for sure and she she allows them to learn from those mistakes and i think that she is so resilient and she's just been sticking up her neck for the the rebellion for years and years and years and then we get to see the ghost in the rise of skywalker trailer and i'm really mm-hmm. hoping that she's going to be at least called out to in the movie <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then my last one is Tamra Vora from Star Wars Resistance. Mm. She is... Uh, she sticks out for herself like the way I think I should. Um, <laughs> I think that she works harder than everyone around her and she's not afraid to call out her friends when they're not being so great to her. And she's ready to pick herself up and, and find something better if she needs to. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Nick? <laughs> this is actually hard for me to decide, which I think is a good thing. Like, yeah, especially within the last decade, there's been a lot more um, female Star Wars characters added mm. into like extended canon stuff and in TV shows. So, like before that, I probably go Princess Leia and uh, I don't know Mon Mothma or something. Mm-hmm. But um, Again, I, I will say Harris and Dula is on my list too from Rebels. Uh, best pilot, probably rivaling Luke, I would say. Um, and really cool thing is, I think I'm not sure if this was before Last Jedi or not because I, I I got to it kind of late. But she's kind of like the first one that weaponizes light speed. Mm. You know, Haldo does it yeah, in yeah. Last Jedi, but there's an episode where. Hera does a light speed maneuver inside of an Imperial hangar and it just vaporizes everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and she's just like, yeah, I love how just be- being one of the only um, non-human uh, also, but also female characters mm-hmm. that's um, fun to watch, but also like, she, yeah, her she has such a caring heart. She like has a strong sense of family. Um, like you see her throughout the series. She has like an artifact that's like kind of the last remnants of her family that is so important to her um, because it, you know, it, it comes from her family. Um, and that, that's, I saw that as kind of a theme throughout Rebels is it's a big family story. Um, 
and Hera was a big part of that. The other one was is also from Rebels, but that's Sabine Wren. Mm. And what I think is so cool about her is like, you know, Mandalorians are pretty much she's a Mandalorian, by the way. Uh, they, you know, rarely remove their helmets, and they always have their armor. It's like 500 plus years old, but. Sabine takes her helmet off all the time and like almost makes it like I guess from a Mandalorian side you would say it's like a you're leaving yourself open and like weak but like she's as her as her strength really like and she dyes her hair different colors (laughs) she spray paints her armor almost like making herself a target yeah for the Empire and like I just think that's so cool that she turns like what might be considered a weakness in her culture into a strength. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Ray would be my third. These aren't in any particular order, by the way. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like least important to most important. But um, I, I loved Ray so much just because, not just because of this, but this is one of the reasons that she so far is disconnected from the Skywalker uh story Mm -hmm. like she comes out that that's i don't know if i'm one of the few people that liked this but when in the last jedi they say you you come from nowhere oh god i love that i love that Mm -hmm. so much i was like yes yeah that makes her special like yeah to me like with luke you're like it starts off you're like oh this look at this farm boy like comes out of nowhere and becomes yeah like this the guy that <laughs> blows up the death star and defeats the emperor and like right. oh well no you his dad was uh, it's like he inherited money you know it's like <laughs> he's, <got laughs> he's a, a trust fund baby yeah he's got a successful <laughs> business because like you know his his family before him laid it down for him. <laughs> um so like it, it to me it, it makes it better that she earns her place in the story yeah because of like her own tenacity and her own power yeah and it's like she's strong in the force because she's ray not because she's a skywalker mm-hmm. and I, I hope they don't mess with that in rise <laughs> of skywalker it, i i could see them going just kidding she's actually the daughter of somebody uh-huh. really important like okay well now he's not special anymore oh i agree uh, yeah i was yeah. so upset <laughs> i know you know i yeah that definitely you're not alone in finding that line and that that moment mm-hmm. incredibly powerful like yeah. i was there were multiple times i was tearing up in the last jedi and that was one of them i was hoping for that like yeah. when it when it came that time it's like you know do you know who your parents are yeah. and everything i was like it's nobody it's nobody. oh yeah it's got to be nobody and then yeah. she says no one yes so yeah it make it's she's self-made hero yeah really and that's what i love so much about ray yeah uh, you know, I, no one had said Leia, right? Am I right? I know we talked about her at length. I know, <laughs> but like, <laughs> she's she's definitely on my list. I know I've yeah. said a lot about her already. Um, one thing that um, I think I've implied is how feisty she is. And I absolutely love that um, as kind of a small, um, mouthy woman myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because she's... She's so, um, you know, petite and um, and yet, you know, it's like she's 10 feet tall because of how she carries herself, Mm -hmm. how strong she is, how um, fast and 100 percent willing to address something that is 
you know, wrong or a bad decision, um, all through her arc, you know, she, she stands up for what is right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's with some, some fire, some punch to it, Mm -hmm. but she loves in the same way, you know, and even with, with Han, when she sees him again and says it wasn't, you know, all bad, was it? And so even then, like, she's still kind of um, looking at it from a positive perspective. Um, And the fact that she loved Han, because, you know, I feel like um, young girls either went for the Luke or the Han, and I'm like, hardcore (laughs) Han, like the the scoundrel, yes. Like, he's just, he's just everything. And I 100% ugly cried when he died (laughs) even though i knew it was coming i'm like i know it's coming but (laughs) um so i just love that you know the the fact and we've covered this already but that leia was strong and determined yet also feminine um and also just so much of carrie is in her and i love carrie i've read i think both of her books and i just think my goodness like she was so peculiar and eccentric Mm -hmm. and 100% 100% herself yeah. and I love that about her I mean um, if you love Princess Leia you should definitely read the Princess Diarist like, yeah because mm-hmm. Carrie is just those I love I love her poems too there, she has yeah. poems in there and uh, they're just so great yeah. she was she was I think secretly brilliant and I say yeah. secretly because the kind of kookiness was more apparent and or maybe not secretly, surprisingly, mm-hmm. because if people didn't really know like what she did behind the scenes and yeah. how she was like, we've talked about this before, like a script doctor and yeah. how um, just brilliant she was and talented, you would get lost in kind of the the quirkiness, but there mm-hmm. was so much more to her. So yeah. because of, of who Carrie made Leia to be, Leia is my number one. But Ray is right behind her. <laughs> um, Ray is, I think, for this generation, you know, a newer generation of, of women coming up, that Ray would be their Leia. Understandably so. Um, she is likewise very self sufficient. She knows how to repair things. I know, like, when we first get introduced to her, mm-hmm. I love that we see her just, you know, like repairing things and just doing life, eating that poofy, mm-hmm. yummy looking bread yeah. or whatever it is. You know, she's just. Was it yummy looking? It was green. <laughs> I, to me, it lo- I guess because it looked so like, I don't know. It I mean, it's bread. Who doesn't yeah, like bread? Yeah. <laughs> I love bread. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, no, it's just seeing those small moments of her you know, standing up for BB-8 and like, oh, fine, I'll take you with me. Um, And her theme, I don't know, like that to me is just so beautiful. Um, But, you know, what you what you touched on, Nick, about her being from no one, that uh, is one of the scenes that had me tearing up because it's nothing that anybody else did. Nobody trained her. She didn't didn't even know that um, any of those stories were anything other than myth. And she has powers, you know, mm-hmm. she's able to um, step into that. Just seeing that moment of realization when she's like, oh, wait a minute. Like Kylo Ren can't can't like, you know, invade my mind. Mm-hmm. He's trying, but he can't. You know, he yeah. does initially. 
and he touches on everything that I think is relevant for so many people mm -hmm. of like the self doubt and you know, you don't know who you are and you don't mm -hmm. belong. And then she's realizing she has this strength and how adorable it is. I think it's so cute when she's like, oh, you know, you'll remove these restraints yeah. and leave the door open and yeah. it doesn't work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even to see her kind of explore this newly discovered strength that she didn't know she had um, is a really cool, you know, thing. We don't see that really with Luke where he's discovering. It's just... He goes from not knowing to like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to uh, mock Han when he makes fun of it. Because now he's just, he went from like nothing to everything. Mm -hmm. But for Ray, you see a little bit of like discovery in that. So her journey has been just wonderful to watch. And um, I love, another line that I love is when she's speaking for Kylo, when she's talking to Luke mm -hmm. and she's saying, I know they're still good in him. And that's absolutely something that, I hope to live out is to always look for good in people, even when so many people are convinced that they're bad and mm -hmm. that there's no, there's no salvation for them. There's no redemption for them for her to still hope and cling to that. And then when Kylo proves her wrong, mm -hmm. she's not swayed by that. She's not like, Oh, well, you know, I, I had, this hope for you and now you're offering something different and like let me contemplate it. it's like no she still s is strong in her beliefs mm -hmm. and that's something that I hope to emulate and my third person although I wanted to put um, Haldo in there I have to yeah. put Rose <laughs> I love Rose I was so moved by um, her sister story Paige and first like Paige's story was so beautifully shot I mm -hmm. loved it and so I'm immediately connected to this woman who was willing to sacrifice herself for the mission mm -hmm. and then I see this other woman crying and she's got the you know the opposite side of symbol of the necklace and I'm like who is this person to that to the one who died and when I realized it was her sister of course that you yeah. know just <laughs> hit me right in the gut and I started crying um and just her, her love for her sister is what pushes her to be in the fight and to say like she sacrificed everything for this very important mission. And she sees Finn and she idolizes him and she's in yeah. awe of him. He's the Finn. Right, the Finn. <laughs> and yet she's like, oh wait, you're trying to, you're trying to leave? No. And <laughs> Taser. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I love that, you know, that she she's not even going to let her fandom, you know, dissuade her from the importance <laughs> yeah. of the mission. Um, so, yeah, those are my three. I kind of feel like um, according to Myers-Briggs, um, <laughs> I should pick Padme because she is also an, an ENFJ, but <laughs> I will not pick her <laughs> for, for reasons we'll talk. Oh, are you also ENFJ? Yes. Oh, fun. Yeah, we could talk about oh, no, why. No, I'm not an ENFJ. I am. Wait, Shannon knows. <laughs> yeah, so I. I'm um, an introvert. Yeah, oh. yeah Alex, Alex is an ISFJ. And that's how um, I typed her for a video for Network 1901 after reading Queen's Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, let's move on to your next question. In your mind, using examples in the Star Wars universe, what is an exemplary female character? 
And when has when a storyteller sits down to write female characters, what do they need to consider? So let's start with Alex. I don't think there's such thing as exemplary mm. female character because yeah. I think that it's just it's important to have just different kinds of characters, be it different race, different uh, gender, different sex- sexuality, like all across the board, and different personalities. And mm. I think saying this is like this is the best kind of character <laughs> is like saying one type of like personality is better than anyone else and saying like oh my friend this is this is like the best kind of person in the world because they're a b and c yeah so i think that the exemplary character is just having different types of people in this universe Mm. Yeah, I, I want to say, like, there's a, a video going, like, that went around a little while ago. It had, you know, like, Felicity Jones and, like, Amelia Clark and everybody in it because they were all going after the leading lady part. It was kind of poking fun at all of the hoops that female actors have to jump through. And so, like, when I hear, like, what should a strong female character be or what should an exemplary female character be, like, it, it's just this, like, ridiculous standard of, like, a woman that doesn't exist and that I don't know why (laughs) we feel the need to try to create this character when like what we Mm -hmm. want and like what people mean when they say like we need more good female characters is like we need more real female characters we Mm -hmm. need you know women in film that you meet every day like women who get angry or women who are emotional women who make mistakes like that's what we want to focus on like those real people Mm mm-hmm uh, I will give my opinion if it is desired, but well, yeah, <laughs> you're you're here. I, I mean, feel, I feel weird commenting on this. Question. You're a boy. Be quiet. <laughs> but uh, as a writer who is always trying to learn, um, the uh, characters that female characters I feel like I'm drawn to or find um, really interesting are women who are not um, like one a sound just like a sounding board for another character usually a male character Mm -hmm. like for example any movie about a boxer (laughs) (laughs) where she's just always on the side going you shouldn't do it Mick you shouldn't do it it's like I got it it's the big fight I have to win the big fight so no no Um, or two like a motivation or a prize for a male character Mm -hmm. Um, for example a lot of movies uh, <laughs> I don't even know any specific example for that one but like I feel like Star Wars for the most part does this pretty well um, I will say Padme takes a step away mm. from that um, oh, yeah. I feel like in in um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones she appears to have this arc that you know begins with her as a queen and transitioning into a woman who's on the ground like with the troops and is getting things done with her own hands it as opposed to like you know uh delegating um but once you get to like revenge of the sith she's like purely just a motivation for anakin to become darth vader Mm. yeah um and to bring in luke and leia like most of the movie is her walking around folding dresses and going like (laughs) obi-wan was here earlier and anakin going what (laughs) (laughs) um but so she doesn't like get a chance to really go out like the war hero that she was shaping up to be. It seemed like she I, was gonna be that, and yeah. then she just <laughs> became a stay-at-home mom. Oh my but gosh! I, she wasn't home for very long. Yeah, <laughs> she was. 
I think they did a lot for Padme in extra material, like Clone Wars, and then yeah. the book that came out this year. It like it really did a lot for her. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... and I know like there were a lot of deleted scenes from that movie, like. You know, Padme, I don't know if it's still canon, but, like, Padme's, like, the mother of the rebellion. Yeah. Um, there's, like, a yeah. whole scene that they deleted where it's, like, her, Bale, and, like, Mon Mothma, like, all creating, basically, the rebellion, and it got cut, which is just so unfortunate. Yeah. And it, it honestly makes me think of, um, Carrie talks about when they were doing Return of the Jedi, like, originally she kept trying to, like, ad-lib lines when she's like being you know slave leia and they kept telling her to like stop talking and Mm, they cut those parts out it's it's really annoying that that's kind of what ended up happening yeah yeah she is really the mother of the rebellion i mean like um i think it's palpatine has a line in phantom menace where he says uh she's she's young and naive and easy to control (laughs) and it's really that like kind of when he um, underestimates her, that's kind of what gets the ball rolling toward his death. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad that Star Wars has uh, enough of a fan base that allows us to get extended universe stuff where you get to like expand or like take things that maybe were problematic or didn't make sense mm-hmm. in the films and um, either like course correct it or add something something behind it that makes it make a little more sense right um but yeah i just love the uh, description of her folding dresses and saying obi-wan well, was <laughs> well i just i watched revenge of the sith last night and i was try- i was paying attention to because of this podcast i was paying mm-hmm. attention to like um what padme was up to in that movie yeah. and it's really not a whole lot right unfortunately and yeah and i felt like she started off being strategic by being, you know, letting um, someone else stand in for her mm-hmm. while she's in the background and speaking for the queen and, you know, saying, well, you presume so too much because yeah. she's straight up the queen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, going back to the question, though, but I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, about Padme after. Um, for, I, I, I would absolutely agree, there's no such thing as an exemplary female character as there's just one type that is the right type and the one that shines and all others don't. The one thing that I would say, or not one thing, but some of the things I think storytellers should consider when writing female characters is that they're well-rounded, just like any other human, that there isn't um, just one type. They don't all have the same motivation. They are nuanced. They're not perfect. They are... You know, they can get messy, they can get dirty, they can be feminine, they can fall in love, they can grieve, they can scream and shout, they can fix things, they can learn things, they can lead, they can follow, any of those, and and um, having that variety. So it's not just the same kind of carbon copy for female characters. Um, and they have something to say. I mean... Mm. You know, yeah, there are side bit characters, so bit characters can remain... But the main characters, if they have a lot of screen time and the only thing that they're doing is talking about the boys, talking about the men, um, they should have some other mission besides just uh, being narrator almost and pushing the boy yeah. story What's along. What's that test called? It's the Bechdel the test. Bechdel test? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, don't fail that. Um, they should have some <laughs> I, other. I think the only one that passes is Last Jedi, and even then, it's like barely. Yeah. Yeah, because there still is a scene where Haldo and Leia are talking about Poe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he needed yeah. to be talked about though. That yeah. boy. Yeah. Um, that oh, sexy, sexy boy. But <laughs> <laughs> but with with Padme, I felt like there was such a decline in in strength and in motivation and in um, even willpower for her character. Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was carrying as much of the acting as she could. Yeah. She's a phenomenal actress. That's, that's the thing I was and looking at, too. I was like, oh, <laughs> good on you, Natalie. You, sh- you should have won the Oscar for this. Just right. <laughs> she was making trying. something out of that script. Yeah, she was she was trying. But it was I was so disappointed in how Anakin showed up when he was grown up and he's yeah. straight like stalker status, yeah. you know, and him just really predatory. Yes, the way that he's talking to her and she's like, "This is okay." Like Well, she first <laughs> she first says like, "Don't look at me like that. It makes me uncomfortable." Yeah. And he's like, "I'm sorry." And then looks at her even Ugh. creepier. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the absolute worst. Then they're in love and then she's like, "You're breaking my heart." Like, yeah. "Why? <laughs> what? This guy is acting all kinds of crazy and like just tell him that like it's not even a sad thing it's like you know knock some sense into him not physically but yeah. you know just like what are you doing um but well, the like that was that was the great manipulation of palpatine because he he knew that like putting them together would spark something because mm-hmm, like yeah. i think i think with padme um and again like you get this from expanded materials um and even like from deleted scenes but like Anakin like fulfilled this need for adventure in her that you kind of see that she wants uh when she's transitioning from queen to senator like there's mm-hmm. there's something more that she's wanting and I think Anakin fulfilled that for her and you know it was a little bit like dangerous it was a little bit exciting because he's mm-hmm. a Jedi and he's not supposed to have attachments and all of that um, why she falls for him and not Ewan McGregor you know that oh I know <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah but I, I definitely think that like they fell into a certain type of love that might have been you know we have talked about how like Anakin's love is pretty selfish but you know I think it was a little bit of an indulgence for Padme as well and to have it goes so wrong is so tragic and you really do feel that like when you are like really watching Padme like you get all the way to Revenge of the Sith and it's it's just really tragic that everything falls apart all around her and she literally can't do anything about it and then she is left just folding clothes and waiting for the baby to come (laughs) (laughs) that is the highlight though of the prequels are her amazing Fashion. clothes. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm like, yes, yes, yes to all of it. Oh, okay. Well, let's get to representation. So many of us will say that reputation representation is important. And it's likely that, you know, all of us here would agree to that. Um, but some listeners as well. But why is representation so important? So if you were sitting in front of a Disney exec right now, and you're pitching them the, on the importance of female representation, what would you say to convince them that it's important? 
So let's go with Shannon. Uh, I would say about half or more than half of the population are women. <laughs> so yeah. it's not exactly it, rocket science. Isn't it 51%? That people see it. Yeah, something like that. You know, women live a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I read a lot of YA books. Um, and YA, for the most part, does focus on, like, young female protagonists. So, like, that's a lot of the media that I consume is, like, really focused in on women. And that's why, like, I would never really find myself drawn to things that didn't have that appeal, even though I was kind of doing it subconsciously. So that's why it took me so long to get into Star Wars. And I, I think... You know, they are, you're missing out when you don't have, like, a well-rounded cast, whether that is, like, through female representation or, like, women of color or just people of color in general. Like, you're missing out on so many other stories that you can tell when you diversify mm -hmm. the types of stories that you're telling. And, like, the minute they decided, like, the minute Star Wars decided to make their main character Rey... Like, I was hooked. Like, they had me, and I was mm -hmm. in there for it, because mm -hmm. those were the stories that I was wanting. And that did eventually lead me to characters like Leia and learning more about Carrie Fisher, to, you know, hearing Padme's story, to reading so many other things. So you never know what's going to open the door for somebody. So just diversity in general is something that you should always be pursuing. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's ample representation for, I guess you would call people like myself, <laughs> um, <laughs> white male. Although uh, the protagonist in Jedi Fallen Order is getting a lot of crap for having red hair. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we love Cal. Yeah, Cal's such a baby. <laughs> we, I, I adored that game. Adored yes, it. <laughs> so good. So I'm just, just putting that out there. Um, we will prevail one day, red-haired people. Um, but it, it, for, for women, I feel like it's especially important because there's like 70-plus years of women in film being represented in very specific ways. Mm -hmm. And it's important to show how powerful and unique female characters can be and what new perspectives you can get on a story. And those stories inspire real women. Right. And that's... That's that's really what the goal of a movie should be, mm -hmm. like, is to inspire real change mm -hmm. in the actual world. Um, so you create a real world change through through the screen, um, basically. When when you represent women in like very boxed in ways, it stifles them in the real world. I mean, it's part of the reason why you know women are so stifled is because you know they don't get to see uh, real versions of themselves mm -hmm. on screen. Um, and they're already stifled in the real world in so many other ways. Yeah. So it's like you don't need it on the screen, too. Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. I mean, representation is important. And I should say it's not, not just, you know, okay, we'll put women of color in put people of uh, uh, different ori sexual orientations in. It's not just, it's not enough to do mm -hmm. that for the sake of doing it and not really giving good characters. So having women or women of color in films doesn't push, it doesn't reach the goal of, of wanting to inspire people if those characters 
are caricatures Mm -hmm. or if they are Mm -hmm. insignificant to the story. So if I were in the room, I mean, I don't think I need to convince Disney execs that representation is important. (laughs) But, you know, if I had to, um, I think I would say it's not only important to do that on screen to inspire people. Like, I will never forget how I felt leaving Wonder Woman. I felt so physically strong. Like, I could live on that um, island and and fight and learn learn with other women um, and live in peace with other women, but train to be this amazing warrior. And, and it was funny, like, to even think that, but it's because I've never seen a film like that. I've never seen a film where you have all of these women who are strong and self-sacrificial and uh, fighting like and training and that's how they live their lives like these amazon goddesses you know was was wonderful so it's not only important though to see that on screen to inspire a, a huge segment of people not just the men but inspire women as well but also to have those people have representation behind the scenes because inevitably without even thinking about it leaders will raise up people who look like them so if you Mm. have mostly men mostly white men without even thinking about it they're probably going to be like oh look at this person look at this prodigy let's bring Mm -hmm. them up let's have them as an intern Mm -hmm. and we get more of the same and it and i'm not saying that it there's malintent there i'm just saying that's kind of how we are that's why like we just like to see ourselves in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why American dolls are popular because we want to see a version that looks like us, a little us, you mm-hmm. know? And so when we're, when there are leaders, they want to see like a, a little version of them and raise them up. And if there aren't women, people of color, um, people of different orientations behind the scenes, then you're not, you're, you're going to be less likely to see those people step in or raise up other people to step into those roles when they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely. I think representation is important and women do a lot of the buying. So just from a marketing standpoint, <laughs> if you want to make Makes that sense. money, got to make that bread. <laughs> <laughs> I think make sure I, women are included. I read somewhere, I forget where it was a while ago. And it's probably still true. Um, that the most diverse franchise movie franchise out there right now is the fast and the furious. Oh my gosh. You know what? I've never seen that, but just from the trailers, I would agree. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Wow. Maybe I should watch them now. (laughs) Yeah. I I think everyone kind of touched on everything I wanted to say, and I completely agree with Sandra about it's important to have those voices behind the camera also, um, in the writer's room, in the director's room, in, in the art direction and everything, because if it's just, it's a woman on screen, but all the words that are coming out of her mouth are written by a man, then is it, is that representation? Is that representation of women or people of color? Um, and the great thing is we're, we're getting there because we, we've had Deborah Chow and we've had Bryce Dallas Howard directing in The Mandalorian. We've also seen in animation, they've been putting women in the writer's room and directing. But we still have, we still have some space to go with the, the live action movies, I think. Mm, yeah. 
You know what? I, I'm remembering now that um, there's a book series, um, the Six World book series, with it's by Rebecca Roanhorse, and it is actually about the Navajo Nation. Like that's mm-hmm. it's set yeah. in that backdrop. So you have this Native woman writing, and her main character is Native. And gosh, like that is just so mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, but that's wonderful that we're seeing uh, yeah. we're seeing more representation there too. And we have San, uh, we have sorry, we have Rebecca Roanhorse writing for Star Wars now. Yeah. Oh, that that's um that's what I meant from the the Six World. That's her book series. Yeah, but she's also she's also writing. She wrote a Star Wars. What book did she write? Also, she wrote Resistance, uh, Resistance Reborn. Reborn. Oh, I just no no joke. I just finished that book before I came in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think that they've Star Wars has been killing it for the most part a um, little bit of salt but I'm not going to get into it um, yeah. with their with their female <laughs> authors like they there's so much more storytelling that they can do when you diversify like like you said like behind the screen mm-hmm. and like even behind the page and so I love what we've been getting with the Mandalorian and kind mm-hmm. of being able to explore that because like hopefully what that means is that we can, you know, open the doors to those live actions just a little bit more. And yeah. I do think with the sequel trilogy, we have been incredibly blessed with the writing. Like, they've done a pretty yeah. good job all around. Um, but hopefully they can get even more, like, you know, more voices, more stories. Because there's just so much that we can that can be told out there. Yeah, I, I think we're lucky with Ryan Johnson seeing the value in having women in the writer's room, and he sent every version of his draft of The Last Jedi to Carrie Beck to look mm-hmm. over. Yeah. So I think he saw that importance. It would have been nice to have a female writer in the writer's room, but he did try. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just such good stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I love it. I love that we're talking about this. I feel like it's important. I hope our listeners will be, you know, d- just be encouraged if they are in conversation about representation and women in Star Wars, you know, you have allies here. And, uh, oh, I, sh- I should mention, I was on the Star Woke panel at LA Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. And it was fascinating because we had an attendee who was not really happy with representation and feeling like it's overkill. And I do want to say for for those folks who are a bit struggling with that, Um, I think it's important to be sensitive um, for us to be sensitive to kind of where they are. um, Even if I disagree, Um, I think that um, it might seem like too much too soon. Um, I don't think it's too soon, but it definitely has been like a huge ramping up of representation that for some it remains a distraction and I hope that they will eventually shift into a place where they won't see it as distracting. But, oh, you know, when I walk around my town, there are women there and that is not distracting. So when I'm walking around in these fictional worlds and there are women there and they are doing stuff and saying stuff that shouldn't be distracting. But, um, you know, I think hopefully we can uh, give them a little bit of grace as they get used to, you know, seeing different types of people on screen. How, what do you guys think about that? Have you encountered those who have really struggled with representation and feel like it's a bad idea, it is distracting, it is not good storytelling? 
You know, that reminds me of, so when we got Battlefront 2 and they released that um, story campaign with Aiden Versio, like everybody was so excited about that. And like Alex and I love Aiden Versio. We did a whole episode about her because she's she's just spectacular. (laughs) But after that, when we got Jedi Fallen Order, a lot of them were saying, you know, well, we already had a fe- a woman female character in a game. So it was her turn already. Exactly. It's like, all right, fine, you got yours, we're gonna do this. But what's kind of interesting is that yes, it is a story about Cal Kestis, who is a straight white male. You know, he I mean he's basically a gender bent Ray. Like yeah. if you like Fallen Order, you like the sequel trilogy. It's just all gender bent. But what's interesting about it is like all of the other important characters in that game other than yeah. maybe Cal's master are women because mm-hmm. it's about Cal and his relationship with Seer and with the second sister we have the ninth sister we get Marin and Marin's an amazing character and it's a very it's a very feminine type of game like Alex got yeah. to play it all so like she knows a little bit better yeah. than I do. Jokes on all the people who thought they were gonna get a very masculine game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I bet that was a huge struggle. <laughs> <laughs> the you, ships, man. The yeah. ships. <laughs> now, do you find yourself struggling with people who feel like representation is unnecessary? Uh, and I'd love to hear from Shannon and Alex on this particularly, but I want to hear from you too, Nick. <laughs> I only see it online, really. Yeah. Um, in online spaces. And Shannon and I try to keep ourselves like, as, po- as positive as possible, try to like bring that positive energy onto Twitter, even when it's kind of a dumpster fire. <laughs> so I try not to engage with people like that who kind of just don't want to listen. Yeah, I'm open to having a, a, a um, like a, a conversation with someone about it, but a lot of times it's just talking to a wall. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Like that's why like we don't really engage with it because like you're just not really going to get anywhere Mm -hmm. with you know if if they're not ready for that representation or if they don't see the the meaning in it like all you can do is encourage them to like read more or watch more or experience more um so whenever i do come across people like in real life who aren't it's not that like they're against it or anything it's just like maybe they haven't been super exposed to it and they are open to like getting some recommendations mm-hmm. like I always try to steer them towards books where I feel like it's a good starting point or a podcast maybe to get like a new perspective and like I have I have a couple of friends at work where I've I've introduced them to a lot of things that they didn't like a couple of guys like they didn't know that maybe they would like this romance novel or maybe they had never thought of it from that direction so when when people have an open mind about it it's easier to have that conversation but when you encounter people that are closed off, it's it's just frustrating because there's not a whole lot you can do for that person if they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I haven't really encountered anybody face to face. I would say it's just primarily in in the online realm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think they're uh, brave enough <laughs> to do it face to face. Um and that's why they kind of hide in the dark corners of the internet. Oh yeah, and uh, just throw stones at you from across the bridge. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, you won't really get anywhere with people who are re- like staunchly like against mm-hmm. 
against representation. Um, so, I mean, but like the very least you can do, and it's pretty easy, is just to throw just like a seed out there of like, you know, hey, why don't you look at it this way? You know, you never know that it might like spark something in there spark of resistance yes in, the <laughs> in their mind and that's where my mind went <laughs> yeah and it uh you know it'll turn them to the the light side of the force yeah you know i have encountered people who were willing to mm-hmm. um one the attendee was like really willing to say just straight up representation is kind of overkill and right um others i find it more in like a subtle way in the way that the female characters are criticized mm. when men who do the same thing are right. not. And I mm. heard a lot of that <laughs> from The Last Jedi and how mm. like avid Star Wars fans are done forever. They will not watch The Rise of Skywalker or anything. They already bought their tickets. No, like they <laughs> legit are <laughs> no, done with, they cats. broke up with Star Wars. <laughs> they burned everything in a fire. And they're over. They cut their hair. It's done. They cut their hair. <laughs> um, yeah, they're all going to see cats. They're boycotting. Yeah. I know. Cats. <laughs> they're all furries now. <laughs> I, I just find it so fascinating because, you know, Princess Leia was there. We, just the word representation wasn't being tossed around. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have Twitter or social media to all gather to talk about the same thing. Yeah. But she was absolutely a different character, a different type of female character. And and it was also very political. And so the criticism that the films today are they're too political and they're they're, you know, showing women and all this stuff (laughs) and blah. And it's like, well, but this is the same Star Wars that was also very political and also showing at least Leia. I know there wasn't a lot of other female characters, but. Leia was there and she was very different and mm. what happened what it's just the I, word you put this word on it now and it becomes a thing that they're looking for go ahead I think what it yeah I, I think what it is is that so like with Leia she is this incredibly strong like awesome character she's feisty she's you know got it all going for her but she is not the main character. Like, no matter how you view that movie, yeah. Luke Skywalker is the main character, right. and you can never change that. Like, yeah. you can't ever take it away. And then you get into a movie like The Last Jedi, and not only is our main character Rey and getting a lot of screen time, but now she is showing us that maybe the bad guy isn't the bad guy and that maybe you need to open your mind and we have Rose who again is showing Finn that like maybe you need to open your mind and kind of view things a different way and that love can prevail and you have Holdo who is telling Poe that he needs to look at things a different way and I think it comes off as a little threatening yeah I think it comes off as a little um like you're being attacked like Mm -hmm. I I get that feeling sometimes when I I read books that are like a little bit too cautionary tale and it's like you didn't have to come at me like that (laughs) every Um, 80 slasher film (laughs) oh yeah exactly well like I I have like particular salt with like one popular YA author that she is like very cautionary tale and I'm like I just can't read your books because you come at me (laughs) Um, So, like, I I think that's what it is. I think it's just a little bit of a a feeling like your space is being, like, encroached on, even though it's not. And it's, you know, it's exactly this. Nothing has changed except for that it's being put in the forefront just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Like, it's 
it's interesting to see like those flare-ups and those reactions and i think the important thing is to recognize like why you feel that way so mm-hmm. that you don't like misplace your anger right mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely it's not as common I was going to say that this storytelling isn't as common in Western storytelling. We see it more in the Eastern storytelling and they're more used to it over there. They're, they get more feminine gaze content. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think um, all of this is really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so interesting, like the idea of if somebody's, you know, to use a word that we hear a lot of now is triggered. If somebody's triggered by mm. The content to maybe ask themselves why that's a really good point because why is it that when poe does something really stupid and he gets called out on it by a woman like why is that a bad thing you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are you doing that's stupid why did you react in this (laughs) way right possibly reach into your psyche and pluck at some strings that you maybe didn't want i know (laughs) too real too real i like i like how the uh writers handle uh captain america in in the marvel universe because mm-hmm. like i mean realistically when he comes out of that ice he should be like why are all these women working here <laughs> like and <laughs> why is there a black man head of shield <laughs> like, like he they, comes out super racist yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah i mean <laughs> that's of his time but they don't yeah. you know they they choose to show him be better yeah and he, I, I feel like it's important to do that in in these kinds of stories is yeah. to like, you know, you shouldn't have to watch it and go like, you know, Leia slapping Poe and saying you're demoted shouldn't be like a <laughs> shouldn't be like a, a shock and be like, how how could she do that to the lead <laughs> character? No. Um, so, you know, we're, we're dancing around um, some of the heat that these female characters have had and the reviews that they've had in particular Ray you know we we all know that she's been called a Mary Sue and Rose the character who played Rose was harassed so terribly that she left social media um, and of course we just mentioned Haldo and um, her response to Poe but then we have Cara June oh my goodness are you guys keeping up with the Mandalorian uh, mm-hmm. yes. yes yes okay <laughs> so everybody loved her so, you know, there are some ideological issues at play, but what about the storytelling itself? What have the writers and directors done right with Cara Dune and what have they done wrong? Let's go Let's with uh, Alex. Okay. Um, so I don't think that they're doing anything wrong with the other characters. What I think it is, is that Kara has... Like, like anyone, male or female, we all have feminine traits and we all have masculine traits. And mm-hmm. I think that they really highlight Kara's masculine traits on the show mm-hmm. and that people, men especially, can kind of see representation in her. Like, they, they've enjoyed through all these movies. And because maybe Rose, Ray, Haldo are more feminine, that's why they're coming under fire. Mm. Yeah. I think that points to what you were saying, Sandra, earlier about like it's either, you know, she's like the, a pretty a pretty little princess, right. or she's like this totally hardened, battle hardened uh, <laughs> character. And I think Kara is on that that battle one. that battle hardened side. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've only seen one episode of her so far. So. Right. If she puts on lipstick, though, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> well, like I I think that. 
her character is is more in line, like kind of like what Alex said, like to what like men are used to seeing, um, especially in like this type of format. I think like the Mandalorian yeah. is completely not at all what most people were expecting oh, it to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like Kara is the type of character that you would expect to see here. Like she is more masculine coded. And I, I think what makes her work, and this is something that's weird that I've noticed, and I don't know if I'm just crazy, but she plays a kind of a similar character that she does like me, like in Deadpool, just that like really strong, you mm-hmm. know, like muscle type character. But she's different in the way that she talks, and she, um, her actor Gina, um, she talked about how getting to work with Bryce Dallas Howard, it was so different. And she actually felt very feminine playing this more masculine coded character. And you get that to me in the way that she holds herself and in the way that she talks. And so there is this interesting bridge that is happening because of that like female direction behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy seeing that. Yeah. Oh, what do you think, Nick? I can see why she is more immediately embraced mm-hmm. because of that, like, She's seen appears to be up front like a more ma- masculine yeah. female character. I mean, and also I, I mean, in real life, you know, she was a UFC fighter. Oh yeah, she's got massive biceps. You know, mm-hmm. that you, she could crush people's heads with. Like, so that that's also could be a built-in audience thing. It's like people are already familiar right. with her, and so like they're able to follow her into the story. Just thinking, which can be unfortunate because then you can stop thinking of, of the character and projecting more right. of the actor onto the mm-hmm. character. Um, I, I do want to add to, I think it also plays into that she's not taking away something from another character. Like if you're looking at it like that, like mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is a supporting character to the Mandalorian. Like no matter what, it's still about him. Mm-hmm. So she's not a threat. Like, yeah. she's not threatening. Because, mm-hmm. like, I would say, um, you know, she she's in episode four, and so are a lot of women. Like, we also get um, Omera in that episode, who is very feminine. Mm-hmm. She's a mother, um, and she's quite the opposite of Kara. And if anything, she's gotten pr- some pretty great reception, too. But, like, again, there is no threat of her taking over and yeah. of it being her story and her invading that space. Because at the end of the day... When we go into episode five, you know, we're back to the Mando and we're back to, you know, gunslinging and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I hate like looking at it that way. But I do think that subconsciously some people do feel that threat when women are the main character because something has been taken away. Something has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my um, highly intellectual response to that is that that is stupid. Um, <laughs> it is stupid. It is totally stupid. Yeah. It was just too bad. Like, I don't know how people live their lives and be like, only people who look like me are the ones I want to watch. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just is such a peculiar thing. And maybe because I'm a woman and I've had to, um, you know, really become familiar with um, male driven stories because that's pretty yeah. much all that was offered, you know, and it's just, I can see myself in, in any character, in alien or an mm. animal or whatever, <laughs> any, any sort of character. Um, but with this character, gosh, I mean, she, she, it's interesting if men 
male viewers don't find her threatening because she kicks the crap out of the Mandalorian. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's amazing. Like, you see that, and I'm watching it going, <gasps> like, how are people going to respond? Because she's so tough. And even when they're training, you know, and she's just like, this is my planet, you know, like, you got to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they go on uh, training, and she's still tough. There's nothing really soft about her and then we have the mandalorian who is taking care of baby yoda and Mm -hmm. he's being (laughs) so tender and so like um just sweet with (laughs) with baby yoda as we call him and uh i thought okay like that's really great that people are responding well to her character in light of her beating up the mandalorian and the mandalorian being showing a very tender side to himself even the conversation about whether he's taken his helmet off and you and, and I don't know I mean he's he's doing such a, a great job of of expressing emotion just through mm-hmm. dialogue and no expression from a face because we don't see a face he's always crying under the mask I know yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually curious if because I, I actually think that neither neither of them won that fight that they have yeah it's kind of a draw. Uh-huh. So I wonder yeah. like, if she was more in a position where it looked like she has the drop on him at the end of that fight, if people would have reacted differently. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, but I don't know. I think it's crazy that she can just bare knuckle punch a Mandalorian helmet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right in the best scar. Yeah. And I think your point, Nick, about... Um, you know, there might have been an audience before because she was a USC fighter. Mm-hmm. I think that is probably part of it because she has earned her ability and, and the belief from viewers that mm-hmm. she can fight. Um, had it been somebody else who wasn't nearly as buff and mm-hmm. maybe had, you know, didn't have really strong characters um, that they portrayed in the past, maybe they wouldn't have believed it. But yeah. because... Gina was playing her and earned her stripes, so to speak. Maybe they believed it a little bit more. But, you know, hopefully it also shows that there is some growth in the viewers that they're okay seeing strong women, Mm. you know, and maybe they'll ease into seeing strong women who are also playing the lead role. Yeah. And I was left wanting to see more of her. Because, I mean, they marketed this show like she was in the whole show. She shows up (laughs) in that one episode and I'll when she shows up, I was like, oh, I, I like this. Ca- I'm really curious to see them peel back layers of this character yeah. and see what she's all about. And then I think she'll come back. Yeah, I hope she'll so. But don't back. tell me anything else about <laughs> episode five. I'm behind. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, she's gone. I didn't know that. <laughs> like t- everybody only well, lasts for like one episode. But they uh, they, they said their goodbyes at the end of that episode. Well, but, you know, you never know. They did that bro handshake where the, they grab each other's forearms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all we have for today. Do you have anything that either of you would like to add, Alex and Shannon? I don't think so. No? <laughs> no, I, think, I think we about we about covered it. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. And again, if you could remind our listeners where they can find you. 
Yeah, so you can find um, our podcast, Lipstick and Lightsabers, uh, anywhere that you listen to your podcast of choice, um, wherever you are listening to this right now in your ears. Um, <laughs> you can also find us um, on our website, network1901.com. Um, we are part of Network 1901. It was We've had a lot of different podcasts over the years, but right now um, Lipstick and Lightsabers is going pretty strong. Um, you'll find the links to everything over there, all of our stories, um, our merch shop. Alex does all of the beautiful artwork from oh, yeah. Lightsabers. Yes, love it so much. Um, we're also on Twitter um, at lip underscore lightsabers, and then I am at McCarter Shannon. Wonder. And I'm at Alex Leonis. Yes, and I do. And if anyone has any um, uh, characters they want me to draw for weekly art, just Ooh. let me know because the list is getting a little shorter. Oh, that is good <laughs> news for listeners. I hope they will take yeah. advantage of that. And then I hope yeah. they'll check out your art, Alex. It is beautiful and you said that you will send swag to people who want to be featured oh yes yes i i have some buttons i have some magnets um we are taking a short little holiday so our story episodes are every friday um Mm -hmm. we are taking a little holiday break um for the rise of skywalker and then also the actual holidays um (laughs) but we will be back in the new year so we are currently taking stories for january so if any women out there want to give their story to lipstick and lightsabers um you can always dm us um if you have any questions about that we have instructions for how to do that on our website um but you can email us at lipstick lightsabers 1901 at gmail.com and we're always there for you if you want you know any pointers what do you want to use to record if you want to write it you know we're very flexible yeah awesome well if uh, any of our listeners check them out be sure to say the story geeks sent you like large mark yes 100 percent right? <laughs> <All> <laughs> uh real quick just honorable mention for female Ooh. star wars characters uh dr afra oh. uh yes. from the uh marvel She's comics fantastic. who has probably the coolest tattoo in all of uh star wars characters <laughs> that i don't think i could pull off but uh <laughs> she's basically like indiana jones of the star wars universe um and has uh two droids that are the anti c-3po and r2d2 they're very mer- <laughs> the mega yeah. 3po yeah, they are they're they're uh they have red eyes and they're black uh they're very chrome funny, yeah. and they they are very uh into murder <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to say I think Kara's tattoo gives Afra's a run for its money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that they're very into murder. (laughs) (laughs) Murder droids. (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us. I hope our listeners are encouraged to um, support some women of Star Wars. Well, that's it for today's show. Special thanks to Shannon, Alex, and Sandra for hosting. And if you're watching The Mandalorian, check out our second podcast channel, The Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Plus. We're doing a weekly show exclusively covering The Mandalorian. For more information on how to join The Story Geeks Club or to find more info on The Story Geeks Network, visit thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. Special thanks to all the members of the Story Geeks Club. You can become part of the club for only $2 a month. Our friendly neighborhood club members get access to Jay's Daily Journals, which are short podcasts he records almost daily. If you upgrade to $3 a month, you can vote on upcoming show topics. At $5 a month, our Guardians of the Solar System tier 
you get all our discussion questions and prompts before each show comes out. Our guardians of the solar system are Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Justin Weaver, Mary Baldwin, and Wade Johnson. At $8 a month, the tier we call our Cosmic Heroes, you get to choose an aftercast topic for every series. Our Cosmic Heroes are Jim Baldwin, Monte Thigpen, Nick Prokop, and Ray DeLeon. And finally, at $19 a month, you get a free t-shirt and you get to join us on an aftercast every single month. Our one extra special mastermind of Multiverse Madness is Connie Moe. We appreciate all the members of the Story Geeks Club, even those we haven't mentioned by name. If you would like to support the show by joining the Story Geeks Club, please head over to thestorygeeks.com.